This is from the New American Standard Bible, which just really emphasizes a particular part of this uh, passage of Scripture in such a great way. So Jesus is the vine and the followers are the branches. He says in John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear even more fruit. And you were already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch dries up and they gather them, cast them into the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the father has loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. And Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, may our hearts be open as our brother Peter comes and shares a message that we know is from you. As he shares from John chapter 15, may our hearts be open to hear what you have to say. And may we be challenged in a brand new way as we listen to what your word has to share with us. And God, we thank you for the opportunity to share around your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, you know, before we get started, you know, I begin to think about this difference that we live in, in terms of how this, you know, how this sermon is going to be done. I'm looking into a camera versus looking at people. So it's very different. So bear with me if you see me do like this, because I'm used to turning my head looking for people. Uh, however, you know, I also began to think about my theater experience. Many of you may not know, but uh, one of my majors in college uh, was a theater major. And as a theater major, you learn every aspect of the theater, you know, from acting to directing to stage management to tech and to what they call prop manager. So a prop manager is someone who ensures that we have the right props as we get ready to prepare for a play. And so they'll, they'll pull the right props together and then ultimately join the show, the prop manager ensures those props are there. So today, in order to get a little bit more interaction going, uh, we're going to use props. The two props that I'm going to ask you to look for, if you have or if you're at home or something like that, would be a glass. So if you can go and get yourself an empty glass, not a glass of water. If you're drinking on something else, use that, but I want an empty glass. If you do not have a glass, get a cup. A cup will work. And then also, I want you to get an apple. Now, you may say, hey, I don't have any apples at home. That's okay. Get some fruit then, whether it's an apple or a grape or a orange, whatever else it may be, get a piece of fruit. So I'm going to let you guys, I'm going to give you guys a minute to go and find those items and bring it to you right in front of the TV screen or iPad or iPhone that you're watching this on right now. And so as you're doing that, I really want to just talk a little bit about what we're talking about today, which is I am the vine. I am the vine. 
This is part of the series that we've been going, uh, going through, and as you can see, we've been working through uh, multiple different steps of the series. Uh, we talked about the bread of life. We talked about the light of the world. Uh, we talked about uh, I am before Abraham. Abraham. We talked about I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, we talked about I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now again today, I'm going to be talking about I am divine. And as you can see, a lot of these have been in John, and um, today I'm going to be talking out of what Pastor just read, John 15. So hopefully everyone has their, their props now, again, a glass and an apple. Hopefully you have those, and uh, we'll get started here. So before, we, before I really get into the Word, I really want to just talk a little bit about myself, you know, and uh, over the past few years, I've really been focusing on communication and how I become a better communicator. And I'm not talking about communicator like I'm doing now. I'm talking about a communicator with my wife, with my kids. Uh, I've found that I've struggled with, you know, um, getting upset with my kids, furiated in little situations, and I could have handled the situation better. I've found even with my wife, there's been times where maybe I don't follow where she's going or, or disagree with the, her approach, and then the way I approach it uh, comes out maybe a little harsh and I have an opportunity to improve in those areas. So I've been focusing on this for at least four years. I've been reading books, I've been going on the internet, doing, you know, reading different articles about how do you communicate better with your spouse or with your children. Uh, you know, I've been even saying, hey, my own will, you know, being a guy who thinks about how to improve things, I'm saying, how do I get better for myself and put some things in place in order to improve? Uh, well, what's interesting is I always kind of get ready for the next time I have the opportunity to communicate right. And uh, just last week, that opportunity came about. Now, to set the stage a little bit, for the, for the week prior to that, I, I went back in and I worked uh, for um, that weekend, and I was pretty tired coming out of that next week. So last week, I just really wanted to relax, right? Uh, not only uh, wanted to make sure that we, you know, we worship God and uh, it being Easter, but really wanted to make sure that I can get some relaxation. So there was one evening... Uh, I wanted to just go and spend time with my wife and watch a movie and then just go and go to sleep. I was really tired. And so I hop in bed, get ready for a movie, getting a little excited about, you know, just spending time with my wife. And my wife, she reaches over and she shows me a picture of a house on a cell phone. And it was a house that's been, it's kind of different than the houses we've been looking for. We've been looking for a house to move and, and things like that, uh, as many of you may know. And so as we were, as, as she showed me that house, I'm thinking to myself, first of all, this is much different than what we've been talking about. But second of all, I was thinking in my mind, like, man, I do not want to talk about houses right now. I'm just tired. I just want to just watch, relax, not have to think and watch TV. And so my response, even though it wasn't like uh, insulting or, you know, blatantly, uh, you know, rude, it came across to my wife as I didn't care about her and how she felt about you know, our, her, her thinking on a house and, and where we would move at and things like that. And so then I had to back up and, you know, spend some time helping her understand it, you know, hey, let me understand it a little bit better and so forth. But in that process, in my mind, I was thinking, what, where did I go wrong? Like why, you know, I've been working on trying to communicate correctly for the last several years, and yet I still failed to hit the mark the right way the first time. And I realized that there's a challenge there. Now, it may just be me, but I got to believe that others are experienced in similar situations. Maybe it's not uh, communicating with your wife and spouse. Maybe it's how you get frustrated when other drivers are on the road. Maybe it's uh, the reaction you have when your boss gives you 
a new assignment and you already have a full plate. Maybe it's your lack of sympathy when someone's going through a tough time. You know, maybe it's your jealousy because your neighbor got a new car and your enviness of that. Maybe it's your need to get drunk in order to, or high in order to experience happiness. Maybe it's your fear of not being able to pay your next, next month's mortgage. All these things, we, we, these emotions and these behaviors, they all have something in common. And what I believe as I've been researching and spending time in meditation for this is that the outcomes of, of our actions here is because we bear no fruit. We bear no fruit. And what do I mean by we bear no fruit? We're going to get into that. Now, the good news is this, that we've been blessed with the ability to bear good fruit. We've been blessed through the Holy Spirit and did Jesus Christ come into this earth to be able to experience good fruit in our lives. So today I would like to respond to three questions, three questions I would like to respond to. Uh, the first one is, what is fruit, right? What is fruit? Let's make sure we get real aligned on what fruit is. Why do we fail to produce fruit? And also, how do we bear and continue to grow fruit? So these three questions in response to them, it could change your life. So I really want everyone to pay attention and really figure out and meditate on these things and put it in your heart because I know that Jesus is speaking to us right now in a way that allows us to be to be able to bear as much fruit as possible on this earth while we live here. So then when we go to heaven, we're able to look back and say, man, you know what? We did what God's will was for us. So let's go to the, to the verses here. We're going to go back to John 15, and I've broken it up in a couple of ways. First of all, you probably, if you've seen me uh, uh, get up here and speak before, I typically don't have a Bible. Over the last three weeks or so, I got an urge to, like, read out of the Bible. So, like, instead of using my iPhone, I decided to actually buy a couple of Bibles and, and, and start to read out of those. And so uh, you'll see me actually reading actually out of the, the physical Bible. Uh, but um, the way I've broken up this, uh, this uh, kind of focus on, on the different scriptures here, I've broken it into four different sections. I'm going to talk about verse 1. I'm going to talk about verse 2 and then verse 3. And then verse 4 to 11, I'm going to read those together and talk about those as one. So, so let's get to it. Verse 1, chapter 5, uh, uh, John 15, uh, verse 1 says, I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the dr- vine dresser. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, this is Jesus talking. If we set the stage, let's think about it. Jesus is talking right now. This is where he's, uh, this is considered what we call the upper room discourse, where uh, chapters, John chapter 13 and John chapter 17 is really uh, what this uh, time of the upper room discourse is really entailing. And this is the time where Jesus is intimately talking with his disciples because he knows that it's gonna, he's going to begin crucifixed. Uh, he's going to be crucified, and he's going to be resurrected here in, uh, in the next coming days. And so this is just hours before he's about to be arrested, before Jesus is about to be arrested. And so that kind of sets the stage on where we're at right now. And Jesus says to his disciples, kind of in the middle of this discourse, he says in his, to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So what did Jesus mean when he said he is the true vine? Well, it's interesting when you think about this idea of vine and you look in the Bible, what we realize is that the vine was representative prior to Jesus. The vine was representative of uh, the people of Israel. 
and, and or God's people. And when you think about that and when you look into the, what the vine represented at that time, it was kind of negative because it was talking about how the people of Israel was divine, but they couldn't bear any fruit. And therefore, God's wrath was going to come upon them. However, when we look at here, we're seeing Jesus say, I am the true vine. What's happening here, right? What's, what's the difference in what's happening here? The Israelites, they could not bear fruit. So God had to bring his son, Jesus, to be our true vine. So Jesus is letting his disciples know, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So one thing that, to consider is when you think about a vine, vines come in different forms, right? So you have vines that are on fruit-bearing trees, like a fig tree, perhaps. A fig tree prepared, uh, produces uh, fruit, good fruit. However, a thistle bush, which has vines also, doesn't really produce fruit, right? You're not going to go and look for fruit in a, a thistle bush. So when you look at the Israelites, they were more like a thistle bush. And Jesus is like that fig, right? Because Jesus is the vine of that fig tree. And he's the one who's helping uh, fruit to be produced. In short, what Jesus is saying is, is that I'm going to do what you haven't been able to do. I'm going to step in. And so this is really important to understand that Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? I'm the true vine. I can fulfill my father's will. You're not able to do that, but I am able to do that. So God is the vine dresser. Let's talk about how God is the vine dresser. What does that mean? As much as we try to live in the, up to the standards of God, you know, we re- learn that, you know what? We are unable to be able to achieve his will. Therefore, God has to come in and realize and pick us up and lift us out of the bad vines. And he, he pulls out the bad vines. He prunes us in order for us to be able to live in his will. And so the vine dresser is God. He's there to help, help make sure that we're able to be able to live out his will and do, do his bidding. Let's move on to chapter, uh, the verse two. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it, may be bear, so that it may bear more fruit. What is this fruit that Jesus is speaking of? Right? What, when Jesus said fruit, what is he talking about? Well, if you go to Galatians, we're going to go to Galatians chapter uh, 5, verse 22. And it talks about what the fruits are. And it says there's nine fruit. There's nine categories or characteristics of what the fruit is. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. So Jesus is describing what fruit is to us. Now, if you notice here, when you look at the word fruit, in Galatians it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. What do you mean by fruit, right? Why, why fruit? versus fruits. You just gave us nine different characteristics of what this is. Why is it just fruit? This is really important to understand, church. The reality is, is that when we look at the fruit of God, it's not one or the other. They all come together. And this is really important to understand because a lot of times we think that people are producing fruit, but we got to ask ourselves, if they're, if they're at peace, but they're impatient, is that producing fruit? If they're, you know, said that, you know, hey, you know what, I'm joyous and I love the world and they show all this joy, but every time something goes wrong, they flip a lid. Is that producing the real fruit that God wants for us? And so the reason why it's fruit is because all these characteristics of what the fruit is, 
If it's by God and it's coming through the true vine, that fruit is coming along altogether. All those categories or all those different characteristics of what fruit is all move along together in our lives. And so it's really important to, to capture that and know that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. In order to grow internally and bear more fruit, we must become more like Jesus. And the way we become more like Jesus is connecting with him, the true vine. And we also must be pruned. Pruning sounds painful. I don't know about you, but if someone said they want to prune me, I'm like, I don't know about that. That sounds a little painful, right? But this is the thing, guys. We go through challenges in our lives. And a lot of times we look at those challenges and say, where is God in this? Where is God in this, right? He's putting me through all this mess. If there is a God, why isn't he taking care of me? Or God doesn't love me, right? We go through those challenges and we feel that way versus looking at it in the right way that God is puning us. God is puning us. He's putting us in challenges of life to make us the people that he is trying to mold us into being. And that puning is critical for us to be able to live out the will of God. We can't do it on our own. We might think we can, but we truly can. And so when we're going through life challenges, we can look at these life challenges in multiple different ways. But the question is, are we looking at it through the lens of Christ? Are we looking at it through the lens of Christ? You may be in season life right now, going through some devastating things in your life right now. How are you looking at those? How are you approaching it? What is your mindset and your heart like? So let's go to the third verse. Verse three, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. What is that talking about? You're telling me I need to connect to the vine and you're telling me I need to get pruned, but now you're telling me I'm clean. Something doesn't add up here. What are you talking about, right? But Jesus is really what he's talking about there is he is reiterating that those who believe in him are already clean. We are in a condition fit to bear fruit because if we weren't already clean, we would not be in the condition fit to bear fruit. This idea of being clean uh, from our sins and free from inward stain is what we considered as being saved, right? As a Christian who believes that Jesus has come to this earth, he lived on this earth, he performed many miracles, he died for us, and then he rose back up and eventually he walked on this earth and then he eventually ascended to heaven. If you believe that deep in your heart and your soul, you're saved. Doesn't mean that you're showing up right on earth right now. Doesn't mean that you're fruitful on earth right now. How do we know this, right? How do we know that we're already clean? Well, we all can go back and capture scriptures that we've heard of that we know that we're already clean. One that we all know is John 3, 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then uh, going on from 3, 16 to 17, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. See, God has already set it in place and have a course in action for us. God has brought Jesus here so that we can be saved through him. We don't have to work for that. That's the beauty about it. We don't have to work. 
God has already saved us. But are we now producing the fruits that he has for us on this earth today? So let's move to now the last, the last portion of this, uh, of this uh, reading here, the scripture. And I'm going to read now from uh, verse 4 to verse 11. It says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, uh, of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they burn. If you abide in me and in my words, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Joy, again, the fruit of the Spirit. Throughout these verses, Jesus continues to reemphasize one word. I'm sure you see what that word is. It's mentioned 10 times throughout those verses, which is abide. Abide in him. Abide in his love. Abide in his Father. Abide in me. What is Jesus saying and what does he mean when he said abide? What is he talking about there? Well, to abide in Christ is not only to remain in him. Many of the translations today today says remain in me, right? But it's not only to remain in me, but it's also to dwell in him. To dwell in him is to make home in him. Most people understand the word abide is simply to mean remain. But the Greek word for abide means to make home. And what's interesting, if we go to John, uh, John 14, 23, if we go to John 14, 30, uh, 23, and the same Greek word is used as a noun. Now, that word is uh, abode. And it says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. We will come to him and make our abode with him. The word abode means a dwelling place, a home. Therefore, the Greek word of abide does not simply mean to remain, but to dwell, to make home. In our lives, what do we typically make home with? For me, it's my spouse, it's my children. I make home with them. How do I make home with them? I spend time with them. You know, they become, you know, we live together, we spend time together, we have intimacy together. And that is so important. Until my kids become adults, I spend quality time with my kids. I have daddy-daughter days. You know, I like to have conversations one-on-one with my kids. Same thing with my wife, spending time with her. That's what we do. I believe what's happening here is Jesus is saying, here is an opportunity for us to have an intimate relationship with him. He wants us to be able to have an intimate relationship with him 
He wants us to be able to live and dwell with him. And if we do that, he does the same for us. It's not like Jesus saying, you got to figure out how to have an intimate relationship with me and I'm not going to do anything. I wipe my hands off away from it. An intimate relationship is something between two people that both of them engage together. And that's what Jesus wants for us. You know, when I, when I think about this, though, if I step back, if I step back and I say, are we doing that today? We see a lot of homes being broken up today. We see a lot of divorce happening. We even see not only divorces of spouses, we even see divorces of kids today, which is insane, but that's, that's where we live at today. Kids are breaking away from their parents. Uh, husband and wives are either separating or deciding that, you know what, we can't live together and getting divorced and moving on. Well, there's some challenges with that because if we relate to Jesus, what are we doing there, right? And how do we ensure that we don't have that kind of separation? I'd like to go back to something our pastor spoke about maybe two months ago, and he had put this, uh, this uh, uh, research up uh, be- between uh, about John, doc- uh, Dr. John Gottman. And John, Dr. John Gottman has done a lot of research. He has a research team, and they spent a lot of time and effort really trying to understand and predict why couples stay together versus not. And what they've been able to accomplish with a 93% accuracy is being able to predict what's going to drive couples away from each other versus stay together. And one of the points that they called out was the fact that couples that spend less than 10 minutes a day in intimate engagement and connection typically get divorced. There's a 93% chance that that couples, husbands and wives, who are not spending at least 10 minutes a day day with each other, there's there's highly likely they'll be divorced. Couples that spend 10 to 20 minutes a day they typically remain together, but they don't feel fulfilled. They're unhappy. They're, you know, you live in that life and that relationship where you're not happy. You don't really feel like that you, you know, you, you really have a connection, but you stay in a marriage. And then lastly, couples that spend 20 minutes or more together, they typically remain together, but they're happy. They're fulfilled. They feel like they have a connection. They feel like that, you know, the, 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 the spouse that they live with is like one with them. And so it's interesting when you see that research because what it's telling us is that the more intimate we are with each other, the more we spend time with each other, understanding each other, the better off we're going to be and the better opportunity we have to be able to have a lifelong relationship that we are fulfilled with, not a lifelong uh, relationship that we can't stand being in. And so this is really important to understand because when I think about us being the branches and Jesus being the vine, I think he's asking us to become more intimate with him. I know he wants us to be able to spend more time with him. See, we've proven incapable as branches to produce fruits. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own, but yet, at the same time, we decide not to connect with the one who can make it happen for us, who can produce fruit for us. We tend to not want to connect with him. Why is that? So I'm here today to just encourage each of you to abide in the true vine, to build a relationship with Jesus that build, that's built on his love and your desire for him. So to bear fruit of the Spirit, we must have a passion. I like to say, like most of us know David in the Bible. David was a king. He was a man that God chosen. 
David did some miraculous things, and David also was a sinner. David was guilty of murder. But there was one distinguished thing about David as the character, one of the characters in our, in our living word. David was a man after God's own heart. He was a man after God's own heart. What does that mean? David was so passionate about having an intimate relationship with God that he would do anything for it. David would run around, dance all over the place, worship God all over the place. Even when David sinned, he was, had such a desire to live in God's will, it almost tore him apart. He had to experience and go through guilt and then through reconciliation and things like that because he was so, so focused and passionate about being close to God and being dwelling with God. And that's why David was a man after God's own heart. Ask yourself, where are you at there? Are you like David? Are you reaching out to God? Are you trying to dwell with him? Are you seeking him out? It's really important. Although David fell and sinned like we all do, God doesn't judge us from our outside and the things that we've done on the outside. He's, Jesus already died for our sins for that. God judges us right here, right here. Are we truly trying to connect with Jesus Christ? Or are we trying to live our own? We're trying to produce fruit for ourselves. It's a big difference in that. So I wanna, I wanna read an excerpt. I wanna go and read an excerpt from uh, a website called Desiring God. And it's uh, John Piper's website. And there's an article on there uh, that um, is titled, You Are a Branch, Not a Vine. So I'm going to go and uh, begin the reading here. It says, vine branches don't have to try to abide in the vine. They just do. The only way they become detached is if someone or something detaches them. Not so with us. We are strange branches that are prone to wonder. Staying put in the vine is something we must obey. Abiding in the vine, abiding for us is a discipline. Again, abiding for us is a discipline. So why are we prone to leave the vine we love? Because we are so easily deceived into believing that we are the vines, not the branches. Remember Satan's original deception? You will be like God. That's what we want to be, vines. We don't want to be those scraggly old branches. We want to be vines. We want to bear our own fruit. This is the ancient sin of pride, and it governs fallen human nature. And we Christians remain susceptible to this very powerful and subtle temptation, which is why Jesus spoke this metaphor to his disciples. We struggle to believe that apart from him, we can do nothing. Now, this goes on, and I, want, I really want everyone to listen to this, because this really caught me when I, when I, when I read through this. This next piece really caught me because it starts to make me think about where am I really at? It goes on and it says, so how can we honestly evaluate the level to which we are abiding in Jesus? Ooh, that's big. It's about to call us out right now. One simple way is to examine how we pray in secret. How do we pray in secret? The Bible is clear. Word-saturated prayer is the primary means of abiding in Jesus. That's why prayer is the chief of the spiritual disciplines and the one we are commanded to do constantly. Pray at all times in the spirit, Ephesians 6, 18. 
Devote yourselves to prayer, Colossians 4.2. God appointed prayer as the chief of the disciplines precisely because it is designed to undermine our self-sufficient pride. Prayer requires profound humility and faith to exercise. It appears foolish and weak to the worldly wise and strong. It's the posture of a dependent child or a beggar. And since its productivity cannot be quantified, it can look like a waste of time. In other words, prayer forces us to trust God. Prayer forces us to trust God. Man, I thought that was so powerful. When I read it, I was like, man, it's calling me out. How do I pray in secret? What does that look like in my life? Is it consistent? It's really important to think about for ourselves. Consider what we just read and ask yourself, what does your time in prayer with Jesus look like on a daily basis? Do you have a strong, intimate connection with the vine? You know, you think about when you look at marriage. This is one of the things we look at, right? Our marriage with Jesus, but it's no different than our marriage in our lives. When you start evaluating your marriage, you're saying, how much quality time do we spend together? Are we talking with each other, right? We just, we just heard about the study that showed that when you talk less than 10 minutes a day, you typically, you're not getting a connection and you eventually get divorced. Well, how are we spending our time with Jesus? Do we think praying right before we say a meal or even praying right before we go to bed is enough? to connect with Jesus Christ, our one and only Savior, we got to ask ourselves, are we living a lie? Or are we truly trying to become and get an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? And God will show up. I promise you, when you begin to have a real, committed, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, God will show up every single time. His promises cannot be broken because we think they can be. Or because we, we can't see beyond, beyond the trees and we feel like, man, that just doesn't even feel like it could happen. God's promises can't be pro- broken. We have an opportunity here to allow ourselves to experience the supernatural. But we can't do that if we're not allowing ourselves to be intimate with our one and only Savior. So let's review. We went through, the, we went through chapter 15 on, um, from verse 1 to 11, and we, we saw a lot of different things. So I want to kind of pull it all together. First, that what we learned is God is the vine dresser. God is the vine dresser. He is the one and only. He is, the, he is our God. And he is the one who can pull out vines and put new ones in and pull out branches and burn them. He is the only one that can do that. That's God. God sends his son Jesus to become the vine dresser. To become the vine, sorry. He sends his son to become the vine, right? So Jesus is the one true vine. Because we found that the people of God couldn't be this. We, we, we sin, and our natural inclination is to be able to sin, and therefore we can't be the true vine. Jesus is the one and only true vine. We are the branch. Since we can't be a vine, all we can be is a branch. So we're a branch, which means that without a vine, there's nothing we can do. We will die and wither away. Intimacy with Jesus Christ connects us to the vine. So I just talked about that intimacy. We can't be connected with Jesus unless we are intimate with him. We're spending time with him. We're praying with him. That's the only way that we can have intimacy with Jesus Christ. He said if we as the branches would reside in him, dwell in him, he would dwell in us. 
and we in turn would bear the fruit of the Spirit. We can't get there any other way. There is no workaround. There is no detour. There's only one way to get to the fruit of the Spirit, and that's through Jesus Christ. The vine dresser then prunes us. We begin to develop fruit with our connection with Jesus, but then we got to be pruned. So we begin to get pruned so we can bear more fruit. So God begins to prune us and say, okay, you're making some progress, but you know what? I have have a special place for you to get to. I I want you to be more like us. I want you to be more like Jesus. So I'm going to prune you. I'm going to start putting a little pain in your life. But that pain is there to make you a better person. That pain is there to allow you to be able to experience the fruit inside out. And when I say a better person, I'm not talking about a nice person that's just, oh, this is a nice person. They always help people and things like that. What I'm talking about here is that that person inside you, are you allowing God to capture you inside and being able to live out his will for who you are internally? Because we as humans, our, our human body, our human form cannot be perfect. We have to call it for what it is. We must humble ourselves and understand we can never be the person that God wants us to be if we try to use our own will and might. That'll never happen. Now, you kind of understand the connection here, but there's one thing that's missing. As Christians, the question I would be asking if, if, if I'm you right now would be, well, where's the Holy Spirit in all this? We talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Trinity. Where's the Holy Spirit here? I personally believe that the Holy Spirit is the sap, the sap that brings all this together. So what's the sap? Sap is defined as the juice or vital circulating fluid of a plant. Energy, vitality. If there is no sap coming from the vine and through the branches, the branches will die. And therefore, we won't produce fruit. Spiritually speaking, the Holy Spirit is our sap. The Holy Spirit comes up through the vine and goes into the branches that allows us to be able to blossom and to be able to experience good fruit. The primary role of the Holy Spirit is our helper. Jesus talks about this. You know, Jesus talks about this in right before, it's interesting, right before he talks about I am the vine in chapter 15, in chapter 14, he talks about the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 16, he goes back and talks about the Holy Spirit. So in chapter 14, I'm going to read chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then going into uh, in chapter 16, John, John chapter 16, verse 13, he says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak uh, as his own an initiative, but whenever he, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. You see, many Christians today, they try to change themselves and perfect themselves in Christ, in their own will, using their own will and their own might, without realizing that that's not God's will. That's not what God put here for us. The Word says in Je- Zechariah 4, 6, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. See, we are not here to try to fulfill God's will alone. God has sent a helper, the Holy Spirit, to help us through this, to help us in our hearts know the truth. And we have to make sure that we bring into the Holy Spirit. 
You got to bring the Holy Spirit into your connections with Jesus. You got to bring in the Holy Spirit as you walk in life because the Holy Spirit is a person that's in us. And that Holy Spirit wants to commune with us. And so it's the sap that runs through us. And we have to be willing to allow that sap to not only go, come from the vine, but run through us so that we can produce good fruit. You see, this analogy of the vine is there for a reason. And really what it's there for is helping us to understand that we have an opportunity to connect with God and we don't have to work for it. You see, fruit, fruit doesn't work, right? They don't, it doesn't work. It sits there and it grows. It's amazing. Like I've seen in so many occasions, like we had this banana tree in our, in our backyard. I think it's still there, <laughs> but uh, we had a banana tree and, you know, it's been, it was sitting there, sitting there for a couple of years. And all of a sudden, you see all these bananas, the stock of bananas start, and another stock. And I'm like, wow, look at that. Bananas just popped out of the blue. It's because when you are connected to a vine and that sap begins to run through it, and you're allowing God to work, and you're not trying to break away and create your own vine, man, fruit just appears. Fruit starts to produce. And it, it, happens, it happens in an instant. It's not like you got to wait for years and years and years. That's not what happened with fruit. Now, you may not see anything happening for a while. You're like, man, this ain't nothing happened because day one, nothing changed. But it's amazing to see how quickly when you begin to connect with God, how things change and who you are. You stop trying to control everything. You start focusing on who God is. You start focusing on what God's will is for you. You stop worrying about, oh, man, I need that new car or I need this new house or I need this and need that. Or, I need more money. You stop worrying about that because you realize that, you know what? All I care about, what puts me at joy and peace is connecting with my God. He provide, he's my provider. He's the one who takes care of me. That's what it's about. And so we have an opportunity to connect to the true vine, not our own vine. So what's the big idea here? What's the big idea? To bear fruit, all we must do is abide in Christ. To bear fruit, all we must do is abide in Christ. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I had you guys get some props. It's time to use one of our props. It's exciting, right? So I had you guys get a glass. So I want you to pick up your glass. It should be empty. You got an empty glass, right? So on one occasion, D.L. Moody, he's a, a, a late evangelist, who, was, who had a significant impact in the, in the world of uh, Christ, uh, he held up a glass to a group of people. And he held up, a, holding up an empty glass like this, and he said, tell me, how can I get the air out of this glass? One man said, suck it out with a pump. Moody replied, that would create a vacuum and shatter the glass. After many impossible suggestions, Moody smiled and did this. There, he said, all the air is now removed. He used this simple demonstration to explain a living, that the living and fruitful life is not accomplished by sucking out a sin here or there, but it's 
It's that fruitful life is required or acquired by allowing the Holy Spirit to be filled within you. Allowing the sap to be filled up with you, within you by connecting with the one only true vine. We have to remember that things that we think we can do, it's impossible to do at times. One of those things is being able to actually eliminate sin in our lives. We can try our best. And don't get me wrong. Like the things that I was doing, I was talking about with communication with my wife and my kids. Those are good things to do. I continue to read and try to learn more and figure out better ways of being able to show up for my family, my work, everything else. But that does not substitute in learning how to be able to fill your cup up with the sap, with the Holy Spirit. It does not substitute for dwelling with Jesus Christ. Because I can tell you this, that you can do all those things and you're going to still have strife in your life. You're still going to be struggling in your life. You're not going to produce the fruit that God has for you because you're going to be connecting with thistle bushes and not connecting with the only one and true vine. There's an opportunity for us here, guys. So let's talk about us now. How do you abide in Jesus so that you may bear this fruit, right? We all want to bear the fruit. I'm sure we all want to be able to experience a joyous, peaceful life. How do we do that? Well, I have three things I want to talk about that I believe God is helping us understand what we could do to get closer to him. First and foremost, and this is, it's all throughout the Bible. If we want to heal ourselves, if we want to, you know, uh, to be able to get closer to God, if no matter what we're trying to do that allows us to be able to fulfill God's will, there's one first thing that we all must do. And that means we must humble ourselves. You must humble yourself for the Lord. What does that mean, humble yourself? We must claim and own that we're just branches. We're not a vine. We must claim and own that we're just a branch. And there's nothing we can do about it. We can't change it. No matter how hard we try, we can never be a vine. We're only a branch. Therefore, we can never produce fruit without the one true living vine. So we, we must... Stay connected and know that God is the only true vine with limitless possibilities. And that's really important, limitless possibilities. I, I was listening to a, a, a good friend of mine's sermon last week. Uh, he had did an Easter sermon, and, and, and I was listening to it. And he was talking about Jesus and how throughout Jesus' life he was going through and talking about the various different miracles Jesus performed. And the one thing I couldn't help but connect with as I was listening to his sermon is that every single miracle Jesus performed wasn't just a miracle. God always had to do something better. Like, think about his first miracle, the wine. God, Jesus could simply got some water, put some wine, made some wine, and say, yeah, here we go. We got more wine. But he didn't do that. What did he do? He made the best wine. People were like, wow, I can't believe it. Man, he got this wine. Couldn't believe it, right? So, you know, think about that, right? You think about when Jesus, you know, the, the guy needed his son healed. And he said, come, Jesus, come. Jesus said, no, he's already healed. Limitless possibilities. He doesn't have to be there. Jesus doesn't have to be there to heal us, right? That's who Jesus is. Think about Lazarus. Oh, we all know the story about Lazarus. Our pastor talked about it, uh, I believe, last week, right? Think about it. Jesus gets there, they're like, you're too late, buddy. He's dead. What did Jesus do? Jesus said, don't worry about it. I got this. I got this. Because you know what? Jesus is the only true resurrected living, and he's the only one that can actually do the impossible, He's the resurrected. 
We have to know that. We have to know that he's the resurrection and he is asking us today to connect with him because with Jesus, all things are possible. All things are possible. So next, number two, seek intimacy with Jesus. If we know that we have to humble ourselves first, next we have to seek intimacy. We can humble ourselves all day long, but if we don't have a relationship with God, how do we, how do we ever bear good fruit? We have to desperately seek this intimacy. It can't be like, oh, well, you know, I need to get intimate with God. We have to desperately seek it. Just like when you, you know, you and your wife are trying to become more intimate and you're, you know, you're excited about it. Think about how much effort you put into that. Think about how you're excited about, yeah, you know, desperately seeking that, inst- uh, that, that intimacy. Or someone you just start courting and you're like, man, like I'm so excited and you're spending so much brain time and how to, how to go about it and all that. And you're so excited about being with that person. Are you like that with Jesus? Are you seeking that intimacy with him? We must seek intimacy. Because I believe when we seek intimacy with Jesus, God shows up. God shows up. You know what God does? God sees us right here connected to this thistle bush, and he pulls us violently out. And you know what God does? God rips all that stuff away from us, burns it, and then he puts us as a branch connected to his true vine, Jesus Christ. And guess what happens there? That sap that we talked about starts to run through us. And guess what? Now we have nice new leaves start to sprout. And ultimately we have good fruit. That's what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to be connected to this thistle bush and dying over here. That's not what he wants. He wants us to connect with Jesus Christ. We must seek the intimacy with Jesus in order to do that. And some ways that we can do that is we can worship fervently. God loves when we worship. We can worship fervently. And and this is the thing. There's multiple ways to worship. I can tell you how I like to worship. I like to listen to to, to Christian music. I like to allow myself to to just let go and let God and allow myself to just breathe through him. Right? That's how I like to worship. Secondly, we have to pray in secret. This is so important. If we're not praying in secret, we are not allowing ourselves to connect with Christ. Imagine if you're married with your wife and the only time you talk is when other people are around. How crazy would that be? Every time you talk with your wife, it's because other people are around. But you never have a one-on-one conversation. How long do you think that marriage is going to last? How do we think it's any different with Jesus? If we're not having a one-on-one conversation with Jesus consistently, how can we build intimacy? It's not possible. We must find a way to find time, spend time with Jesus on a daily basis. Next, we must listen to the Bible. Ooh, you like that, right? Listen to the Bible. Now, initially you might hear that, you might think, oh yeah, let's get some audible Bible and listen to it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about read, listen, however you want to approach the Bible, but listen to the Bible because the Bible is not just a book. There's living words in the Bible. It is amazing to me to see every time I read the Bible, how God is telling me something. But if I'm not listening for what God is trying to tell me, guess what? It goes one, it'll go into one air, come right out of the other. I must listen to what God is telling me because he is always telling us something in his living word. You can read the same verse one day, and then the next day read that same verse, and you have a completely different 
meaning of what's coming out of it. Because God is telling you something at that time in your life to prune you and to make you a better person that is focused on him so you can produce more fruit. So we must listen to what the Bible is telling us. And then lastly, we must be still with expectation. Be still with expectation. You know, I, I, I really like it at times where my wife and I, we just sit there and she put her, her head on me like this and I just lay there with her. I won't have to say a word. There's something about that feeling. There's something about that connection, that intimacy you feel when you are connected with the one person you love. Something is special about that. You feel more connected. You feel more intimate. We need to do the same with Jesus. You don't always have to. You don't always have to say, hey, you know what? I got to have this big elaborate plan. Sometimes we just need to go and sit in a closet or somewhere, close our eyes and just pray to God and then let God talk to us. Let God flow. I can tell you, like, you know, you might think it's easy to come up here and do sermons. And I'm not I'm not a preacher. I'm a person that does a sermon once in a while. And it's not easy for me. But I can tell you, I never back down for it because I always know that all I have to do is go and sit down and go in silence fast and pray and just let God work. And it's amazing how God works. God give me thoughts, give me things. And just I'm just like, wow, like it comes out of nowhere. And that's God working. But that cannot happen if I'm allowing myself to be busy with everything else and think I'm going to come up here and do a message and, and be able to do something that's fruitful and actually coming from God. It's impossible. I must sit in silence and listen to what he's telling me with expectation. One, one thing that I was thinking about when I was thinking about uh, when I wrote that down around, you know, uh, being still with expectation, I was thinking about back in the days. Now, the kids today, they, don't, they probably can't understand this, but... For us old folks, you remember back in the days when we had our first one or two girlfriends, we would get on the phone, you know, we had the court, you know, so it wasn't like you can just pick up, you know, it was a court, and you would be on that phone all night long to the point where no one's talking. Now, I don't know what kind of connection it was, but it was a connection. You would sit on that phone, no one's talking, just lay there, till one of y'all fall asleep, you hear by snoring, you'd be like, you sleep? That's what hap- that would happen all the time. And why was that, right? We just felt like there was some intimacy happening in that scenario. Right? Today, people are like, you know, they text and they're doing all these other things. It's a whole different world. But back then, that was how you connected. That was a way of having an intimate moment with the person that you were trying to get closer to. And you actually feel good about it, too. Like, yeah, we sit on the phone all night long. You tell your boys about it or whatever, right? You get all excited about it. Like, you did something that was, you know, great. But there was something intimate about that, right? So being still with expectation, there's a lot that can come from that. Number three, we must guard ourselves from deception. And this is really important, guys. This idea of deception is probably one of the biggest sins that, that gets to us and we don't even realize it. There's a lot of people think they're living a great life, doing all the right things, and yet we're deceived. In Matthew, it talks about this. And, it, it, and, you know, when I think about this deception, you know, I look at it as counterfeit fruit. Counterfeit fruit. This is that fruit that we think that we're getting and we're not really getting. We feel happy for a day and it's gone, Right? And so Matthew talks about this, and it says, Matthew 7, 15, and 19 says, Beware of the false prophets 
who come in, in sheep's, to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You would know them by their fruits. Interesting. Counterfeit fruits. You would know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So in every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There are people today who are influencing you and pouring into your lives. The question is, are you allowing them to influence you in the ways of Jesus? Or are you allowing them to influence you in a ways that's not of Jesus? What are you allowing to happen? See, I look at it like this. Jesus simply tells us we need to discern a difference between, between these two, between good fruit and bad fruit. And how do we do that? Is we buy, do it by understanding what good fruit is and what bad fruit is. We know what good fruit is. We just talked about it, right? If we, if we have a person that's trying to influence us to do whatever they're trying to have influence us to do, ask ourselves, are they showing us love, joy, peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control? Or are they showing us something different? Or are they showing us one and not the other? We need to discern between that and understand, are we getting, are we getting the right information from the right person? Are we being influenced by the right people in our lives? You know, what the fruit of the Spirit is is very clear. What isn't the fruit of the Spirit? What's interesting, if you go back to Galatians, right before they talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it talks about what, what, what is the outcomes of people who are not in the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 16, 21, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets itself it sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, Disputes, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I have forewarned you. Just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We have to ask ourselves, who are we being influenced by? You know, I look at it even right now. Today, what are we doing? We got this technology, great technology, right? Today, we got cameras. We got, like, imagine right now we're live streaming. That's amazing. Great technology. And there's some good that's coming out of that. We're able to worship God right now. We're able to learn about him. We're able to spend time in Christ right now because of this technology. However, when we also look at technology, there's a lot of counterfeit fruit out there as well. Some of the things we hear out there today on the internet, you know, YouTube, it's open for anyone. So a lot of things we see on YouTube is not of God, right? There's a lot of people who are acting like they are of God, but not of God, right? We see that today and we're being influenced by it. But yet, you know, at the same time, this channel can be also used of good. So we have to be able to discern what, what is of God and what is not of God. 
Are we producing fruit through that channel or aren't we producing fruit through that channel? Right? That's really important to understand the difference between that. So we must surround ourselves by people who are willing to bear the good things in our lives, to bear fruit. Jesus says, surround ourselves by people who are going to show up more like him. In my profession, we like to use the word go slow to go fast. Uh, I do a lot of uh, improving of processes and how we improve businesses and things like that. And so we say, you got to slow down so you can understand where your big problems are. Fix those things so you can go fast versus just redoing things over and over and kind of living in insanity, right? Well, you know, this statement could also be altered to reflect how we must navigate in a world full of thistle bushes. Go slow to go with God. We have an opportunity to slow down and discern what's going on, not just jump into things and make sure that these are fruitful things in our lives, not thistle bushes. We must understand the difference in that. All right, so I've talked a lot. I want to now talk about how do we apply these things? How do we make these things part of who we are? How do we make it so that we can practically be able to move forward? So what I would like to challenge you with is in the next seven days, for the next seven days, set aside at least 30 minutes to become more intimate with Jesus, to grow your intimacy with Jesus. If you don't currently have a relationship with Jesus, this is an opportunity for you to start to have that relationship. If you have a relationship and you feel like you're doing some things to grow in intimacy with Jesus, this is an opportunity to further that growth. There's no end line here. There's no finish goal. Right? So you have an opportunity to continue to grow in Jesus. So for the next seven days, I'm not asking for a lot. I thought about this and I said, what is Jesus really trying to tell me here? And I realized something here, that Jesus didn't want me to go and say, oh, everybody needs to go and start doing this every day of your life. For the next seven days, I am challenging you for the next seven days, set aside 30 minutes, whether it's in the morning, evening, midday, whatever it is for you, set aside 30 minutes to become more intimate with Jesus Christ. I can tell you this, I've been doing that myself for the last over seven days now. And I'm not perfect, I've still got a lot of challenges and things like that, but it's been an amazing time with me and Jesus. I've had an amazing, amazing time with Jesus in the last seven days. Even through all the work, all the things that's going on just in family and things like that, I've just been able to have an amazing time with Jesus. To the point, I actually challenged myself to spend 30, 30 minutes and I've found that that 30 minutes has changed. It's longer now. You know, one night this last week, I remember I spent my 30, 30 plus minutes with Jesus. And then, and again, in secret with Jesus, I spent 30 minutes. And then, like, I was getting ready to go to sleep. And I was like, well, let me listen to a little bit more worship, you know, because I was already feeling good. And I don't know, it was about 12 o'clock. Next thing I know, it's like 2.30 and I'm down on the floors praying to my God. I didn't plan that. But man, it felt so good just being in his presence and knowing that God works out everything. And I don't have to worry about anything when I'm in the presence of God. And I promise you, I promise you, if you spend just 30 minutes with Jesus and become more intimate with him, the Holy Spirit begins to connect. And that sap begins to run through you. And now you feel this, this feeling of fullness that's running through you. And no matter what sinful nature you have or whatever else is going on in your life, you know, you don't have to suppress that. Because when you're focused so much on God, those things begin to fade out in the background. They never go away because we're human. We have this human body, but they fade in the background. And it's a beauty to be able to see how Jesus works in our lives that way. I've seen myself change even as early as late as yesterday. 
And I was spending some time with God, but, you know, also interacting with my daughters. And, you know, they, my daughters sometimes, they, even though they look like sweethearts to you girls, you guys out there, but um, sometimes they can get a little unruly, right? And, um, you know, typically when they get loud, I got to get louder to calm them down from getting loud, right? But I noticed even yesterday, I didn't have to get loud. I was like, you know, I'm just patience and allowing myself to just go. And I don't have to think about just allowing Jesus to work through me and things still get resolved in a good way. See, when we allow Jesus to be the one that's leading our lives, our lives change for the good. And we are more at joy and more peace in our lives. Something that no, no drink, no bar, no person can give us. Only Jesus. So how do we do this? How do we grow our intimacy? We must plan with anticipation. First, we must plan with anticipation. Just like if you were excited about that new date you're going out with, you know, think about all the planning you're doing, like, oh, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to do this. Plan with anticipation. And you're excited about it because you know it's going to happen. Secondly, you must get creative. Again, no different, right? You're saying, all right, how am I going to show up? I'm going to get flowers. I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to make a new, I'm going to make a, a, a CD or CDs back in the days or a playlist, make a playlist of songs for this person, right? Right? That's, that's planning with anticipation and getting creative, right? There's no one way to get intimate with God, Jesus and God, right? There's no way to, one way to do that. You have to figure out what that is for you, right? For me, I, I kind of, I don't really have a playlist, but I do kind of have a playlist. I have a list of songs I listen to that allows me to kind of get ready and prepare to be in worship with Christ, right? I like to start out that way. And then secondly, you know, I like to read the Bible and I like to spend time in prayer, right? And so there's things that I like to do to get intimate with Jesus, Right? I'm noticing I'm starting doing more than just sitting still and waiting for God. What is he telling me to do? But get creative. And then the last one is so, 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 so important. I've mentioned this multiple times. Engage privately. This is not something for you and your whole family or something for you and your friends to do. Now, there's time for that. We should commune. We should commune this way, but we got to commune this way. And this way is connecting straight with Jesus. Right? We got to commune out at times as well, connect with other people. But we got to commune this way with Jesus Christ. And that's what we're talking about right now. Connecting, connecting that dot so we can be connected to the divine. So if you're a cynic here and believe that, well, there's nothing that's going to change by spending 30 minutes a day because I really don't believe in God or I really don't think, you know, anything's going to really change. My life still sucks. If you're a cynic and you believe that, I'm challenging you to challenge yourself. I'm challenging you to challenge yourself because I guarantee that if you allow Jesus to work and you allow yourself to truly and sincerely spend time with Jesus in a way that allows you to become intimate, your life will change and you begin to produce fruits out of the instant and you'll start to see how your life becomes more fulfilling. So today we're in a season, a crazy season right now in our lives with coronavirus and oil and gas and the stock markets and all that. It's a crazy season where people are afraid. People are irritated, unsympathetic, distressed and doubtful, afraid of not having a job, afraid of a loved one dying from the COVID uh, or, or themselves for that matter. Irritated that their young children are young, unruly and, and or their spouse is you know, getting on their nerves and there's nowhere to go, stuck in the house unsympathetic to those that may be going through some real challenges right now because of this season. Distressed on knowing, uh, not knowing how long this is going to last. 
Is it a month? Is it another two months? Distressed about that. Doubtful that God truly loves them because he's allowed them to have this situation and be in this state. Or even doubtful that God even exists. I admit that I've experienced one or more of these feelings. Because again, that's what our human nature does. That's what the enemy tells us to do. What about you? See, when we do not abide in the true vine, we experience this kind of fruit. Instead, we allow ourselves to abide in thistle bushes. We allow ourselves to be taken over by what the news tells us, what the internet tells us, what people's perspectives are, or even what our own sinful desires tell us. But when we connect to the one true vine, we don't even worry anymore. We don't worry about these challenges in the world. God is so good when you allow him to be. But imagine what would happen each and every one of you that's listening right now. Each and every one of you that's allowing God to work in you right now. Imagine what would happen if you just give him 30 minutes for the next week. Give him 30 minutes and become more intimate with Jesus Christ. What would change in our lives? What would change in the people's lives around us? What would happen to your intimacy as the Holy Spirit grows within you? The intimacy, this doesn't happen automatically. You know, it's not going to just exist. We have to be disciplined. We got to schedule it at times. Just like in our wives, with our wives and our, our, our husbands, it just doesn't happen. We got to find time for it. We got to make it happen. We got to desperately want it. But what changes if we do that? The next seven days, how would our lives change? I believe three outcomes will occur. First, I believe new fruit will be developed within you. We all will have new fruit that develops within us. We don't have to work to get this fruit. We don't have to go and try to suppress things in our lives or in our, you know, what's going on that we're saying these are bad things. I've been so bad yesterday. I've been sinning all this time. I can't do this. I can't connect with Jesus like this. We don't have to worry about the things we've already done. We're talking about right now. Right now, at this moment, you can make a decision right now and say, I'm going to be intimate with Christ no matter what I've done, whether it was last, uh, last week, whether it was yesterday, whether it was an hour ago. It does not matter. We have an opportunity right now, right now, to connect with Jesus Christ. When we do that, where we were afraid, now we have joy and peace. Where we were irritated, now we have patience. Where we were doubtful, now we are faithful. We must allow ourselves to connect with him. Secondly, more fruit will grow within us. See, once we connect with Jesus Christ, God comes in. God says, hey, you know what? I see where you're going. And he begins to prune us. 
he begins to put us in challenges. I'm not saying in the next seven days, you might see other challenges pop up, other things in your life that we consider challenges. But what they really are, they're a training ground for us. God is telling us, hey, you know what? I see where you're at and I see you connected to my one and only true son. And guess what? I'm going to help you get there. I'm going to help you produce more fruit. We have to allow God to prune us. So that may look like your child becoming, you know, more, more unruly and now it's something that would really get you going and stressed out. But now you're connected with Jesus. You're connected to the vine. So all of a sudden, how you react to that is differently. Or even now in our current day, we see going to the grocery store. You get in there to try to get milk and the, lab, the person in front of you get the last carton of milk. How do you feel about that? Things will change when you begin to connect with the fruit because you know God provides then. You know you have nothing to worry about. You know that you're at a different level of peace and joy in your life, regardless of the situations that come in front of you. And the last one is this. Our fruit will feed others. You see, I have an apple here, but I have an apple right here as well. This apple right here, it's a resource. It allows us to be able to talk to people and do all that stuff and things like that. But that's all it is. It stops at that point. It doesn't change me. It doesn't grow me. It doesn't do anything inside of me. It's a resource. It buzzes. I've been getting a lot of texts. That's kind of crazy. It's buzzing and doing things like that, right? But this apple right here, it changes us. This apple feeds us. See, when you do not produce fruit, others become fed up by you. They become fed up who you are and, who you, and what you become. But when you become intimate with Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to work through you and that sap to run into you, people around you begin to be fed. Your spouse, your co-workers, your children, your neighbors begin to be fed by you. I gotta stop eating this apple. Man, it's really good. In closing, what I would like to say is this, guys. We all have a choice. For others to be fed up by us or to be fed by us. In closing, just think about this. God has a plan for you. He has a place for you to go. But we have to allow him to work through us. I want to read an excerpt, a real quick excerpt, uh, from a uh, Christian commentary uh, and it's called, titled, Love and Joy and Union. And it, it recalls a meeting engagement with Malcolm Murgerich, who is an English journalman, a journal, journalist and social critic, and uh, his engagement with Mother, to, Mother Teresa. Uh, and, it, and it starts like this, it says, and when Malcolm Murgerich, brilliant man of the world, first encountered Mother Teresa in Calcutta among her destitute and dying, he could not explain a lumin luminous quality he saw in this little plain woman. This turned out to be far more than a TV assignment for Malcolm Margaridge. For eventually, it was the joy, it was that joy which drew him to Christ. He talks about that joy that he saw 
and Mother Teresa that drew him to Christ, who always shares his joy with those who obey him. It is a mystery and challenge to our earthbound way of thinking that the nearer Jesus came to the world, to came to the cross, the more joy became part of his vocabulary. How strange that this sounds to affluent, comfort-seeking Americans who confuse joy and happiness. Joy is an unexpected gift growing out of our intimate relationship with this one we love and serve, with the one we love and serve. While happiness, even though it is a frantically sought, sought after as some kind of product that can be possessed, turns out to be dis, a disappointing illusion. Happiness is like the pot of gold at the end of a rainbow that does not exist. Interesting. Malcolm Mergerich's whole life changed because he saw the fruit that Mother Teresa had. That fruit is contagious. It feeds other people. We can change the people around us and how they see life by producing good fruit. We all have an opportunity to allow God to work through us. When challenging seasons come about in our lives, like today, each of us has this choice to use our own resources or to allow God and abide in him and allow God to work through us through the one true vine. You see, Jesus understood and illustrated this even in the days of his death. And so you saw the joy that he had because there were some devastating things happening in his life. But yet, he showed this joy and he talked about this joy with his disciples. I have a message for someone here today watching. Are you going to continue to allow the enemy? Are you going to allow the enemy to be able to run your life? To be able to make you feel frantic, afraid, impatient, intolerant, jealous? Are you going to allow the enemy to continue to make you feel that way when challenging times come? Are you going to allow yourself to continue to do the same things over and over again, thinking a different result is going to happen? Are you going to allow yourself to continue to feel like God isn't working for you, isn't there for you? I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to do that because we got an awesome God. Our God can do anything. He can make the impossible possible. But it takes you to be able to connect with him. You must connect with Jesus Christ if you want to experience fruit. You must connect with Jesus Christ if you want the circumstances you're going through to be able to have a, a, a great outcome where you grow and the outcome is better than you can ever even imagined. You must connect with God if you don't want to feel like that you're always sluggish and feeling sick and not feeling good. You must connect with God if you want to change the people's lives around you. I'm here today to tell everyone that's listening right now that God has a plan for each and every one of you, even though you may not see it right now. But in order for us to fill that plan, we must change who we are. And we can't change it by ourselves. We don't have to worry about the things that we've done in the past or our sinful nature. All we have to worry about is connecting with the one true vine, Jesus Christ. So as we go through this next, next several weeks, or really just the next several days, seven days, connect with Jesus. Find a time. Make it a priority. Connect with the one true God. And I know things will change in your life. What are you going to do? Will you walk into, with the Holy Spirit or will you continue to do what you do today? 
deliberate fear and unhappiness and inadequacy. It would be the greatest travesty to go through this season that we're in right now and miss the fruit. I leave you with these five encouraging words. You must let go to let God. Lord Father, in the name of Jesus, I love you. You are the great I am. You are the almighty. We serve a mighty, mighty God. And I thank you, Lord God, for giving us the ability, Lord, to be able to even get close to you and to be able to go through a life where we can have fruit that's produced, Lord Father, through no means of our own, but just through an intimate connection with you. We thank you, Lord Father, for helping us see and helping us understand by bringing the Holy Spirit into our lives. We ask you, Lord, to help, the, help us know that the Holy Spirit is there every single day as our sap. And the Holy Spirit wants us to listen, but we must slow down and listen for what you're saying. Help us continue, Lord Father, to marinate in your will, your silence. Help us continue, Lord Father, to be able to be uh, a fruit bearer so that other people can be fed from us. Help us, Lord Father, to be able to overcome the challenges in our lives, abiding in you, by abiding only in you. Thank you, God, for this message. And I thank you, Lord Father, for all the people that you've allowed to watch it. We just ask you, Lord Father, let go. Help us let go and let God. Thank you, amen. You just heard God's word. Now let's go and live it. Thank you.